0: I've spent a lot more time than normal the last few weeks attending funerals and memorial services, kind of sobering, and it's landed me squarely in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. We hear that passage often at memorial services. Who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Or when I learned that passage in the King James, it was with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Some of these deaths were COVID-related. Others weren't. It's reminded me a lot lately that COVID is not my enemy fear is more the enemy i'm not going to die one day sooner or one day later than god has planned for me but he did not create me to live in a spirit of fear we read that in second timothy chapter 1 god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and i keep remembering when i Return or on the way back from a graveside that Paul's words were to die is gain. My real home is heaven, not here on earth. And then about a week ago, I can't remember if it was Sunday or Monday morning when we heard that one of our American heroes had, had his homecoming. Colin Powell. He was 84. And even with the media who looked to tear people down and cause strife, they all seemed to use words like accomplished, distinguished, respected. I heard on one of the reports that General Powell said, I want to leave a legacy with three main characteristics and be measured in three ways. As a husband, as a father, and as a grandfather. I kind of like that. That's, that's, that's how I'd like to be remembered. So I'm flying solo here today, but I would like to introduce you to my wife, Debbie. Debbie. We've been married 42 years, this December. She is by far the better half. I married way above. We have three daughters, Susan, Sarah, and Stephanie. They are three incredible women. Who are creating their own legacies and growing in their walk with Jesus. And then I have the privilege of being pops to five grandchildren. And uh, that's pretty cool, I will admit. And all of these lives are precious little miracles believe strongly in the sanctity of life. And it's one of the reasons I, one of the things I do is serve on the board of Alternatives, Crisis Pregnancy Care Center. And on behalf of my fellow board members, I want to thank you as a church for your partnership and your involvement with Alternatives. I know that some of you are coming to the gala Thursday night at Gull Lake Ministries. And so my wife and I will see you there. Um, Thank you for standing for life. And uh, thank you on behalf of the Jevert family for putting your actions where your heart is, and that I know through Mrs. Ragualis and others that you prayed for one of my grandkids, Joshua. And uh, Joshua is now three and a half, but he had some pretty serious challenges growing up. Uh, He was given about a 15% chance to live. And uh, he lived his first month or so on a heart-lung machine. Uh, He had 12 or 13 surgeries by his first birthday. Joshua is the walking epitome of a little miracle man. And uh, your prayers were a big part of that. Joshua loves puzzles, as you can see. And... uh, It reminds me of an old story where dad had come home from work and he's reading the evening paper. Now, you know it was an old story because I'm saying dad was reading the evening paper, right? It wasn't his iPad or or anything like that. But back in the day when we enjoyed reading the news and, and little Johnny was kind of pestering him a lot. He just wanted to read for a few minutes. And so he took a piece of the paper and he tore it out. He saw a picture of the world and tore it up into pieces and he put it down the floor and said, Hey, Johnny, why don't you put the puzzle back together? Thinking, Yeah, it's going to buy me 15 minutes for sure. Two or three minutes later, Johnny's like, Dad, I finished. And lo and behold, there's the world. Puzzle all put together. Dad was kind of, well, I'm beaming with pride on one hand that, wow, I got a smart kid. And on the other hand, was like, how did you do that? Has your mom been teaching you geography? Johnny's like, I don't even know what geography is. But on the back, there was a picture of a man. And I put the man together, when, when the man was in its place, the world seemed to fall together. It's kind of the rooting of our passage this morning. We're living in a crazy world, the crazy times, and our world sure is fractured like that newspaper puzzle. We've endured 18 months of Zoom Zoom meetings, isolation, fear, masks, no masks, shots, no shots, cultural chasms over social issues, politics, worldview, conflicting voices from the news, and who to trust and believe. It's hard not. It's hard for me as a believer. Not to think that uh, if we're not in the end times, they're coming awfully soon. Or at least, like the message on the rear view mirror of my car, objects in the rear view mirror are closer than they may appear. And so it drives us, it has to as believers, to drive us to God's Word. The ultimate truth. got a message from a friend, you know, pops up every once in a while, and he just said, Mark, just remember, God is not who you think he is. God is who he says he is. And so who does he say, what does he say about this book that we hold, that we hold dear, that we say this is the ultimate truth? In 2 Timothy, it says all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. In Proverbs 30, it says that every word of God proves true. Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. A couple more chapters after that in chapter 6 of Hebrews. It's impossible for God to lie. Isaiah 55, God's word that goes out from him, his mouth will not return void or not return to him empty, but it will accomplish all. All of its purposes. Praise God. And so it drove me uh, when I had the was extended this invitation to come and share and break the Word of God to the book of Second Peter, chapter one. Now, if we took kind of a thirty thousand foot view of the book of Second Peter we'd be reminded that these were some of Peter's last words. When somebody's kind of given some last words, you maybe lean in a little more to listen. Back then, false teachers were proposing that, uh, you know, Jesus hasn't returned yet. He probably isn't going to. And Peter went on to explain that the Messiah has been delaying Because God wants everyone to repent. And then he warns fellow Christ followers about false teaching. And so chapter 1, we can kind of break down and say, Peter gives us guidance for living in these days. Those days, and I think these days. Chapter 2, Peter warns us of the coming dangers. And chapter 3, he reminds us of our hope and our future. But as Pastor shared, we're going to start with Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And if you're able, I'd ask that you stand with me as we read God's Word. Out of respect and uh, the holiness of, of, of what we're holding in our hands. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray that uh, as we consider your words through the mouth of your servant Peter, that we'd see what you have for each of us this morning. As we said, your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's just as applicable today for us as it was when it was first God-breathed. And so may we be Diligent, watchful, obedient in applying what your word has to say in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Just a little quick plug. One of the books I'm working through is called 100 Bible Verses That Made America. It's by Robert Morgan, and it's a blend of history and scripture. Second Peter chapter one verse four is one of these one hundred verses, and uh, and so it, it takes you back to different uh, parts of, of our history and, and founding, and uh, how it was uh, how the Bible shaped the thinking. Of many of our forefathers. And uh, I'm not a huge history buff, but I'm finding this very fascinating, reminding the foundation that we were built on. And so if you're looking for something different, maybe it's a verse a day or so that for 90 or 100 days would uh, give you just kind of new insights, fresh insights into God's word. Uh, Robert Morgan, 100 Bible verses that made America. I get no proceeds from them. <laughs> we started with verse 3, but let's back up to verse 1. Because Peter wrote this to people like you and I. Verse 1, using the ESV, uh, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Another version says it this way, I write this to you whose experience with God is as life-changing as ours. This kind of underlined the equal standing of all believers. A man who influenced me greatly when I was a young uh, married Christian at Westwood Baptist Church in Kalamazoo always used to say, Mark, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Peter knew that no matter what you're standing, God's ability to save and change your life was equal, equally impacting. And you as a church, as Calvary Baptist, have declared that being disciples is front and center. When you read your mission statement. It's part of why you exist. And if we look at Webster's dictionary about what it defines a disciple as, it's a follower or a student of a teacher. Or a leader. Or a philosopher. We follow Christ. Disciples of Christ. Imitate Christ. And bring glory to God. That's. What we want to be. It's who we are. Verse 3 goes on then as we started. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let's just stop there. Underline, it's all there. I just need to seek Him. Jeremiah 29, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Preston and he went to Moody Bible Institute and D.L. Moody once said the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and with the man who is wholly devoted to Him. Guess I don't match that yet. Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York, Pastor Jim, he says it this way When we seek God, he will bless us, but when we stop seeking him, all bets are off. No matter who we are, we're always either drawing nearer to God or falling away. There's no holding pattern. Can't sit on the fence. Remember in Revelation, this I have against you. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're work lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. No holding pattern. Are we drawing nearer? Or are we falling away? It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. I know people who have really improved their health over the last 18 months. I mean, they got busy at changing some things in their lives during this time of isolation. They showed discipline, intentionality, pursuit, not just sitting around and waiting for it to happen. I probably fall into the second category a little bit more in that area. Discipleship's done on purpose, with purpose. It's deliberate. It's intended. It's purposeful. Willful, conscious, planned. Calvary Baptist Church wants to be a church that strives to multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate about God, who are obedient to the Word, who are dependent on God through prayer, who are connected to one another, who are authentic and revelant in witness. That just doesn't just happen going to take work and intentionality, right? Well, Peter gives us some hope in that process. Because as we look at the inner man and say, well, what kind of people do we need to be in order to make disciples like that? In verse 4, he says, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. In 1956, I wasn't even a glimmer in my parents' eyes yet. But in 1956, Time magazine chronicled a man. His name was Everett Storms. And this article said, and you can find it. You have to search a bit. But you can find this article that said he read through the Bible 27 times in the year previous and through his study of God's word he found 8,810 promises now it's pretty easy to you know find that in God's word there are 31,173 verses and i attended Western and went to school at Portage Northern. I'm no math whiz, but 8,800 some and 31,000. That's about one out of every four verses has some kind of promise for me in God's Word. Those are precious and very great promises. And... 20, 30 years ago when I was one of the guys that went to Boulder, Colorado and said, I'm a promise keeper. (laughs) That's a lot of promises to keep. They're God's promises that he's made toward us. And then if you just think, well, there's psychologists will say roughly 10,000 thoughts a day that go through our minds. How many of those do I center on God's promises for me? I'm ashamed to say not so many. Verse 4 continues. These great and precious promises, so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. We get to reap the benefits. I get to share in these promises. I feel like Willy Wonka, right? I got a golden ticket. God's promises to me. So verse 5 starts, So make every effort to supplement your faith. Stop. Faith is a gift from God. It's the starting point. He gave it to us. We don't have to create something to start this process. God said, here is faith. Now He wants us to build on what we've been given to complement our basic faith with more. How do I do that? Well, one of the key ways is to learn more about Him, to know what He desires from me. And one of the main ways I do that is to read His word. So how much time do I take to read the Scripture every day? What do I read more? Social media? USA Today? God's Word? I've not done this study, but people that I trust and rely on have said that if I took this word of God and I were to stand and read it audibly in a way that you would understand and it would be clear and distinct, it would take me around 71 hours to finish reading the entire scriptures. Now again, no big math major. But there are, I think, 365 days a year. And if I were to do that math, it breaks out to about 12 minutes a day. That if I were to purposely, as I am this year, reading through God's Word, I need to invest about 12 minutes a day in order to stay on pace for that. I don't think that's really too much to spend reading God's Word. What about you? If I'm going to be the kind of person that God can use to help build disciples, I need to know more about who He is. I need to be more like Him. I need to hide myself in His Word. And as I grow and conform to the image of Christ, like it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, and you do it, and my wife does it, and my friend does it, collectively, I think as a church, we will become more the way God desires us to be. In the early 90s, I had the privilege and opportunity to spend a lot of time in the former Soviet Union. I had the responsibility with Youth for Christ to help develop youth ministry, um, develop Western youth ministry. There was always youth ministry going on uh, in the world. But after the Iron Curtain fell, we had the opportunity to partner with churches in the former Soviet Union in some countries like Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania. I'd be overseas two, three times two, three weeks at a time. As a young dad, that was a lot. And so I wanted to be a good young dad, and so I'd always bring home gifts, right, for my little girls that you met earlier. One of those gifts was something like this, a doll. Does anybody know what this is called? Yeah, I hear a lot of "Mm matryoshka. Uh, Matryoshka, a common translation is a nesting doll and if I were to take the time to open this up and kids or anybody if you want to come up later you can open I think there's nine different dolls inside here that are that are nested one inside each other and it's like the gift that keeps on giving I've got sets with all the Russian oligarchs in history. I've got one that has American political leaders, you know. Uh, This was 1990, so they hadn't gotten some of the more uh, uh, visible leaders uh, that we've experienced lately. I've got some that are very plain. This one's pretty ornate. That's what these next verses remind me of, a nesting doll. They kind of build on one another. you got one inside, and then to this, build on this one, and then add this. And all of a sudden, you've got this big doll that's got all this hidden inside, nested inside. And so let's look over the next few verses at what we can build on to this basic faith that God's given us. Verse 5 says, to make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue's not a word that gets used a lot in high school slang. Good character, I think, would be a good supplement for the word virtue. We all want to be thought of as a good person. I think we would say General Powell had virtue. In the way that he served. And add to your virtue knowledge. Or spiritual understanding. Not like wise or I'm a wise guy. But Proverbs kind of wise. Understanding. Knowledge. Verse 6. Add with knowledge, with self-control. Spending 30 years in youth ministry, I'd say self-control could be translated to discipline. Not being out of whack or spastic, doing whatever you wanted to do. And self-control with steadfastness. Patience, passionate patience would be one way of, of listing that in a modern translation. Hard work, never giving up. The back half of verse 6 and steadfastness with godliness. Not acting like I'm godly, but recognizing God, recognizing He is God, and I am not. But too often I want to grab things for myself and think I'm in control. There's a sense of awe, of reverent wonder. That he is God. Verse 7, and with godliness, brotherly affection. Warm friendliness. When you're kind, it's attractive. I mean, we're all attracted to kind people, aren't we? I mean, when they do the polls across the country for People magazine or whatever, and they say, you know, what are the characteristics you're looking for in a mate? Being kind and considerate is one of those. I always told my girls, still have a single gal, and so, hey, pay attention. Does he open the door for you? There are still guys that will open the door of the car. I'm probably 98 out of 100 times that I'll do that for my wife. I know I'm not 100 out of 100, but it's still an important Characteristic. Have you ever heard, you know, that guy, Frank? He's just so kind, it makes me sick. I don't think I've ever heard that from somebody. Kindness is a word you find a lot in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word is hesed, and that's loving kindness. Now, I got a lesson from one of my friends who teaches a lot of uh, Hebrew and leads trips to Israel, and he says, Mark, you kind of got to spit a little bit when you say that word, you know? Kind of a little guttural, like chesed is how they say it. Chesed. Obviously, I'm no master at language. But loving-kindness. His love endures forever, chesed, over 200 times in the Old Testament. You would find that. Brotherly affection. And add to that love. I don't know about you, but in our wedding ceremony, 1 Corinthians 13 was a big part of that ceremony on December 1st, 1979, where we read, if I don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Without love, I'm nothing. Without love, I gain nothing. The last part of chapter 13, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Each of these dimensions fitting in, developing the others. Matreshka. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Passionate about God. Obedient to the Word. Dependent on God through prayer. Connected to one another. Authentic and relevant in our witness. It's a good list. Full of faith, good character, having spiritual understanding, practicing self-control, being steadfast, Exhibiting reverent wonder, showing warm friendliness, loving generously. I think those are all keys to make your list happen. And intentionality is going to be the key. Verse 10. If you practice these qualities you will never fall. Verse 11, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants you and I to intentionally work on adding to our faith so that the world will see him at work in us. The world will be attracted to us and ultimately choose to follow Jesus. It's like the old saying about what's going to change. Lord, send a revival and let it begin with me. Let's go to one more section just to close. 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles. Chapter 2. As you're turning there, let me share that about a year ago, I was just getting out of the hospital. I had been flat on my back with COVID. 11 days in the ICU. Pretty serious. I got steroids and remdesivir and the transfusions with the mono, monoclonal antibodies all within the 1st eight ten hours. And that really helped prevent me from being on a ventilator. But I was teetering. And uh, the prayers of God's people really pulled me through. I experienced the Loss of smell and the loss of taste. And, and people have experienced that who have had COVID in different uh, doses. I got the triple dose, and so, you know, uh, I, I got it good. And so when I read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 14, I have to remember that smell and taste are pretty important. I mean, taste and see that the Lord is good. In verse 14, it talks about this triumphal procession, spreading the fragrance of God, of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. So when, in those days, when one group conquered another group, they would take the spoils, but they would also take the, the captives and they would, as they came home, there'd be a victory procession and they would march through the town. And fragrance was a big part of it. They burned the incense. And so as you're walking through the town, if, if I don't know, it's, it's, it's absurd, I know, but let's just say, you know, uh, Penfield conquered Richland. And so they take all the inhabitants that are uh, that surviving from Richland and they're going to proceed through Penfield and they're going to display their victory march. And there's incense and aroma and the band's out and everything. Of course, the Gull Lake Band would never lose, right, So, uh, But... Uh, as a proud band member, alum. If you're part of Penfield, it's a pretty good smell. It's a smell of victory. It's like, yeah. If you're one of the marchers from Ritzland, yeah, it doesn't smell so good. It's an aroma of defeat. So when it says in verse 15, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to give one a fragrance from death to death to the other a fragrance from life to life. My challenge from spending a lot more time this week in Second Peter is that I need to up my B.O. We'll call it believer odor. To some, it's going to be a wonderful aroma. It's going to draw them closer to Christ. To others, it's not going to be so appealing. It reminds them of their sin. And I don't get to carry a pocket for breeze and you know try to make it better. Because the Holy Spirit's in charge of that. But you and I are called to be intentional to seek God with our whole heart and find Him in practicing these qualities in Second Peter. And remember the promise, if we practice them, we will be effective, we will be fruitful, we will not fall, and most importantly of all, especially in these days, our reward of heaven awaits.